Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on April the 18th, 2013. Newcomers, help yourself to the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com. There's lots and lots of audios for free download. And I go through the system that you're living through. It explains an awful lot what's happening today as well because a plan was set up a long, long time ago, over 100 years ago, and foundations were formed by the richest people on the planet to bring in a planned society, a planned global order and so on. And they also wanted a kind of socialistic society in order to control the people, not to help the people control them and get them dependent on government. Government must rise up to its proper status as the big, big boss, really, and be less freedom down below. Uh, government agencies would run your lives from birth to death. That's all coming true today, of course, across the world with all the UN uh, treaties they sign on rights to the child and all that kind of stuff. There's really nothing to do with rights to the child. It takes all the rights away from them and the parents, too. But anyway, that's only one little part of it. The other part was to bring in a global financial system with under private banking set up again by the same guys who set up the foundations. They owned the big banks of their day. They still do. And they set up international banks to take care of the world global economy. They even said that they need wars to make it all happen. So they had World War One, World War Two, and a lot of other ones in between. And even the ones happening across the Middle East tie into it because they wanted to standardize the world with private central banks that would all be subordinate to to um, basically the Bank for International Settlements, which they also set up. And the organization that set it all up was the Royal Institute of International Affairs, Council on Foreign Relations. And so, in other words, if they can't get things to happen by itself, they make things happen, and they're very famous for doing it. The end justifies the means, and whatever it takes, uh, uh, they will do. Believe me, they will do, and they have, in fact, in the past. So help us to the website. Remember, too, that you bring me to you. Don't bring on advertisers as guests. I'm not selling lots of products. All I have is a books and discs at cuttingforthematics.com to help me take over. And it's quite expensive, as I say, taking over here because uh, I have lots of problems even with satellite and different other uh, means of uh, communication, which I probably have just for this broadcast, in fact. And uh, I get lots and lots of hassles from various agencies, obviously, because sometimes I can't connect at all, like tonight. I can't connect to the satellite whatsoever all day long, in fact. It doesn't mean that the company is doing it. It can also be all the different cyber warriors that governments across the world have hired, and, and they can get in between you and your connection quite easily. Anyway... If you want to help me keep ticking along, you can buy the books and discs at cuttingthroughmatrix.com or donate. And don't forget that from the US to Canada, you can still use personal checks or international postal money orders in the post office. Or you can send cash or use PayPal across the world. You've got Western Union MoneyGram 
and PayPal. Remember, straight donations are really, really welcome because this is not a big business. If it was, I'd go full steam ahead and do the complete commercialization system and buy and bring on the marketers and so on and get really pushed out there. But that's not what I'm really doing it for at all. It's just to get the word out of what's really happening and it has actually changed the course of even Patriot Radio over many years because it was all navel-gazing at one time. They didn't understand the big international agenda, and uh, people didn't realize that whoever laws were getting passed in their countries were getting passed in, across the whole world, and all the different countries that signed on to the United Nations as they keep bringing out new treaties and new treaties and new treaties. And were run by private organizations, not, not your governments. It's private organizations that run the world. And even the historian for the CFR, uh, Royal Institute of International Affairs, said so. He said that uh, uh, the new system they're bringing in is a new feudal system. We call it public-private partnerships today. And the CEOs of the big international corporations and the big think tanks all work for the foundations, the private foundations, what uh, will really be the new feudal overlords. And that's already happened. Look at IBM for one example. Back with more after this break. Hi, folks. We're back, cutting from the Matrix. And I've talked over many years about the different things that have happened, often as they happened, across the world. And I've mentioned, too, about governments. Today it's called false flags. In other words, governments create situations uh, in order to blame someone, any particular group that's not going along with the game, or they want to demonize. And they do have their targeted people to demonize because we have to go into a massive multicultural society. They've already done it in Europe and across the rest of the world, and they're doing it heavily into the U.S. now as they take down all the old cultures. And that's all part of it too, folks, is to take down the old cultures and bring in this new global happy society where government rules everybody with an iron rod, basically. And we know, for instance, that in Britain when 7-7 happened, and the bombings there, there was definitely a drill on that day because they had advertised for many volunteers for well over a month before it happened to take part in the exercise. Because whenever they have an exercise, they get lots of different volunteers coming in and they try to get ethnic ones too. And the whole idea being that uh, all the other security teams are not necessarily allowed in to who these particular uh, fake suspects are. And they go out with their haversacks and satchels and so on, and they're supposed to get spotted by the experts. They do the same in all the other uh, real uh, uh, things that are happening, like the Boston Marathon, for instance. Whenever they have something that's real and genuine, they still always run drills. I read the articles years ago that they'd always use these events for drills in order to train their own staff, in fact. So they have other ones coming in. Uh, looking suspicious and so on, and they wait and see how many of their own people can catch on to who they are. And when 7-7 happened, of course, they had patsies set up, and that movie, The Ripple Effect, 7-7 Ripple Effect, uh, that documentary that went out there, it's, I don't know if it's still up or not, on YouTube, it was fascinating because the man who went through it was, he was really obsessed with the details, and he had lots and lots of details, right down to the fact that the particular ones they said were the terrorists didn't get the train they were supposed to be on, even though in the court they said they did get it. Things like that didn't mesh whatsoever. And they probably, who knows what they could have been the patsies too. 
But it's all to get, understand governments must always validate when they change course on something that affects all of the populace. They've got to validate why they put all this money out and why they're taking rights away. And if nothing's happening, they've got to make things happen. That's an old, the oldest trick in the book. They've got to make things really happen. And there was so much banking on it that, as I say, the end justifies. It means whatever it takes will be done to get things to happen and to get things through. Because it's a public they must convince. It's no different than propaganda. Propaganda isn't really meant so much to influence people abroad or even the targeted countries that you want, that are your enemies or designated enemies. It's really to fool your people back home to get them on board with your particular wars and agendas. That's what it's for. So we've seen this kind of thing happen many, many times before. And the Boston Marathon was no different. They had a drill, of course, because I say they always have drills at real events. And they do put lots of people, volunteers and so on, out there uh, carrying satchels, etc. Uh, and amongst other guys uh, and, and other teams and other agencies carrying the same things. And they wait to see how many of the other observers can actually find out who are the fake ones and so on. Now, it's quite easy to say a patsy there, uh, because you, you give him fake bombs, he, he plants his satchel, he expects somebody to find it, of course, and, and then the thing actually explodes. It's quite, it's quite easy to do, folks. And as I say, this has been done across the world, and it, from ancient times to the present, with, with false flag events, for to bring in more control for government. And Rome was famous for bringing in uh, uh, pretended terrorist attacks, etc., and plots from within. But nothing has changed. I say, you've got a whole world agenda. It's never to be the same again. After 2001, uh, and they had the, the 9-11 events, uh, they came on the news right away and said, the world will never be the same again. And what they meant by that, not just the world, they meant that your life will never be the same again. Everything was to change. And they still mean it. Now, meanwhile, as I say, if you don't find enough things happening, they create the very instances to make you think you're still living under a very scary scenario and the government's got to protect you. They've taken all your rights from you. Every country across the world went to the same agenda with the same laws, obviously written out long ago in advance by treaties and brought out these complete laws of, of no privacy for every, anyone at all at the same time. That, the governments don't work like that under negotiations. It takes years of negotiations to get the same treaties and laws drafted up, ready to go into effect. So it was done long before 2001 happened. As I mentioned before, too, the Oklahoma City bombing came the very weekend after the government had turned down Clinton's request for an anti, to pass an anti-terrorism bill. Nothing was happening. Folks said, well, what's this all about? Nothing's happening. And that weekend, boom. And so they passed it after a few days later. So they got the event and they got it passed. That's how they do things. When the public will accept under fear and emotion that something has to be done. And even all of that was so, so wishy-washy with all the stories that came out. Uh, it made no sense whatsoever. Even though one documentary did get put out and it showed you the main suspect, supposedly in the Oklahoma City bombing, when he was over in the Gulf under special forces, escorting the top general around. And so he was in special forces at a very high level, obviously, to, to escort the general around. So we're living through the same scenarios today. And there's no doubt about it, the Boston event, they were doing the drill as always. Every, see, every event they do drills on. And that's also how they train their own staff to pick out the, the fakes and so on.
But uh, as I say, it's so easy to set someone up who's volunteered, who didn't know they were carrying the real thing, and bingo, there you go. So they'll keep changing their sites to see who they can blame. They know who they wanted to blame, obviously, but so they'll keep changing their sites. Now they have Israel coming over and get involved in it, and they have their own beef, of course, and their own particular people they'd rather uh, brand for it, probably Iranians or something. And so everyone's getting in on the act to try to find someone to blame. Now, you remember some time ago, too, with the same thing down south and in, in the U.S., where where uh, they said that some racist group, and I think it was from the ADL, said that it was white racist groups that killed some prosecutor, uh, some some guy up in the, in the attorney general's office and a prosecutor, and it, and they blamed them and blamed them for months and months. And now it turns out, and I'll mention that, and I'll put the link up tonight, where it was actually uh, people inside the very office who were disgruntled. One had lost his job, another judge and his wife, and they had been behind the killings. Not white supremacists and racists and so on, but they definitely wanted to target that group. So you can never believe what they tell you initially, and even then, after they get the so-called one who they do find, he'll be so drugged out of his mind, he won't know who he is, never mind anything else. The time you see him on television, or sit in a courtroom where it's a picture with his jaw open, and his eyes, his dilated, dilated pupils, as we saw already with uh, Holmes, the Aurora shooter. And that's what really happens in the real world. And folk are really worried now because what do you do when your own government's behind things? What do you do? I mean, it's a big, 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 big question mark there. What do you do? Remember, too, as I say, the whole world agenda is riding on Conformity, conforming every country to the same as the next one under this new global system. Right now, the U.S. and Europe are signing free trade deals to get the U.S. into it as well. And it's all to get, to get the U.S. to start bailing out the, the banks. Actually, they're already doing it, but to legally put it on the book, the books and get this, us all putting money into black holes and get them on board with it. So. Anyway, getting back to the articles today, and as if we got a hard time getting the articles because I can't get the satellite and so on. But anyway, it says here that uh, Senate freezes a gun bill in hopes of new compromise, and they want to compromise with the Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid said the Senate will hit pause on the gun bill while senators see if they can find a workable compromise in strengthening background checks on gun purchases and so on. So. There's also other ones too where they're, they're hitting out against the ammunition to try and get all the ammunition off so your guns will be useless if you can't get ammo. And uh, they're hitting back on that one too. They're going all the way with this, you see. They've got to get it done eventually. They've got to. As I say, technically under a socialistic, communistic system across the world where government agencies run all the masses of peasants down below. But at the top above them, you have the fascist system. So did, by the way, so did the, the Soviet system run that very same uh, premise. So does communist uh, China. The Politburo have billions, and they're, they're bilking billions into foreign accounts. But they use communism for the rest of the public and social agencies. It's a much better way of controlling the public and fleecing them than the old form of democracy where you actually had rights and often people actually stood up for them, believe it or not. So we'll see what happens with this whole deal as they keep changing their targets to, to see what the public will swallow. 
Now, here's an article too, and it says that um, the FBI celebrates duping another mentally ill man into a fake terror plot. And it's true enough, you see all these things that they have, the terrorists, etc. It's always the FBI that's been behind it. It happened in Canada too, where the Canadians had a guy on their special uh, CSIS group, a kind of intelligence group, who was, again, from a foreign country, was Muslim, and they hired him to try and entice young, uh, susceptible Muslims into it. He said all the right things, he got away with saying so much, he had so much confidence, and he was, and he was working to just set them up with bombs, etc. They fell for it, the, the RCMP supplied them with equipment, and then came in to arrest them. It's just standard stuff that's happened in Britain. And it's happened so many times in the States too. So they can always say, oh, look how many ones will follow this year. We really need this anti-terrorism stuff. So here they go with a duping a mentally ill man. It says, following a series of similar widely ridiculed so-called sting operations, the Federal Bureau of Investigation announced last week that it followed yet another terror plot that, like virtually every other, every other supposed terrorist case in recent years, was created and managed from start to finish by the FBI itself. And I'll read the rest of this when I come back after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and we're back cutting through the Matrix and talking about this latest entrapment here. And it says that uh, the FBI, it says that Sepanar are dupe basically. Says this time the dupe was a 28-year-old California man, Matthew, Matthew Aaron Laneza, with a documented history of mental illness who apparently believed his government handlers were helping him wage a jihad. The critics, however, say the whole scheme smacks of entrapment and a waste of taxpayers' money. Laneza was arrested by federal agents February 7th in Oakland after he supposedly tried to blow up a bogus bomb that which the FBI helped him create. According to the authorities, the mentally ill San Jose suspect planned to detonate the fake fake explosives outside a Bank of America branch. The plan, uh, officials said, was to start a civil war by making it appear as if the attack had been carried out by anti-government militias, sparking a crackdown by the government on right or centre dissidents. Can you you believe this? This is amazing, isn't it, really? And again, too, uh, I wonder how many times this has been mentioned on the the, the early news cast at the time, but without the fill-ins of who set it up and all the rest of it. Because that's what sticks in people's heads, remember. And it says, unbeknownst to Laniza, the explosive device that he allegedly attempted to use had been rendered inoperable by law enforcement and posed no threat to the public. The FBI admitted in a press release celebrating the arrest of its mentally unstable stooge. The man was charged in a criminal complaint with attempted use of a weapon of mass destruction against property used in activity that affects an interstate or foreign commerce. If convicted, he could face life in prison. According to the government's court filings, the mentally ill man met with an undercover FBI agent late last year under mysterious circumstances. The federal office somehow managed to convince the naive dupe that he was connected to the Taliban and the Mujahideen in Afghanistan. Islamist forces that were originally armed and trained by the U.S. government before becoming official enemies. Actually, another back working with them too. You know. From there, feral handlers worked with the man to develop the half-baked plot and the fake bomb to blow something up. It says Lenin's stated goal was to trigger a governmental crackdown which he expected would trigger a right-wing counter-response against the government followed by, he hoped, civil war. The FBI claimed in a statement applauding its work defending the homeland from its own plot. 
Lenise's arrest was the culmination of an undercover operation during which he was closely monitored by the FBI's South Bay Joint Terrorism Task Force. State and local officials also participated in the scheme, the FBI said. So, this is fairly standard stuff. Fairly standard. Now, that all also came out too with the first World Center trade bombing when they had a bunch of uh, was Muslims again. And uh, they're actually, I think, uh, encouraged and some are actually employed by the FBI. <clears throat> and in fact, one of them got so suspicious of the FBI uh, because it came to the stage of uh, planting or creating a bomb. And the guy says, of course, it'll be a fake bomb. This, this, guy, this guy that eventually became the suspect says, it'll be a fake bomb, he said to the FBI handler. And the handler says, no, it'll be a real one. And so the, 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 the guy, the suspect, eventually taped every subsequent conversation that they had with this FBI handler, and he used it in court. That was played in court, folks, because he wouldn't go along with this. He knew darn well they were getting set up. So this is a fairly standard stuff. Now, what can you do when your government's doing stuff like that? And and, and they're picking mentally ill people who, who are so naive or out their heads, they'll believe anything they're told. Really. What can you do? You know, we're really, really in trouble, incredible trouble when governments are up to this kind, of, this kind of stuff. And believe you me, with all their internet stuff and so on, uh, they know everybody. They know everything, they know everything about everybody. All of us. They know, they know IQ levels, they know your interests and your hopes, your angers about various things or whatever, and they know who to pick. Perfectly, who to pick and set up. And they'll be doing more and more of this as time goes on. I keep mentioning the movie Brazil. It's worthwhile watching. It's a sort of comedy. But um, it, it, was, it was well done by some of the guys from the Monty Python crew. And they actually uh, they actually go through a scenario where the, the people live in, under perpetual terrorism. Bombs go off in restaurants. They never find the terrorists, of course. But it doesn't matter. They, 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 they convinces the public that there's terrible, uh, vague terrorists out there all the time. And this is the way that it's done. Now also tonight to mention the fact that uh, the U.S., again, those who handle, actually the U.S. is like every other country now, is owned. It's owned. We don't quite get the, the point of it. And you can find who owns it by the ones who finance politicians to run for elections. The biggest financiers run America. And it's quite easy to see who does it across the board. But says Pentagon privatizes the African troop transport with up to $50 million contract. So Africa has to be plundered too, you see. So the, the, the Pentagon prepares to do contract for privatization flying services to fly U.S. Special Forces throughout Africa. The contract will be up to $50 million. And the contracts will begin in August. Contracts will be expected to carry out medical evacuations during high-risk activities, as well as transporting equipment and commandos from the Joint Special Operations Task Force, Trans-Sahara. The planes will operate within the borders of up to 20 different African countries. Contracting out not only keeps the U.S. military footprint small, but also helps out private entrepreneurs who have always been well-fed by the U.S. taxpayer for these military roles. The contractors will operate out of the military airfield in Ugadagu in Burkina Faso. As is, the missions will be across central and northern Africa, most likely including Chad, Libya, Mali, Mauritania, and other countries such as Algeria, Cameroon, and Nigeria. 
I mean, it's quite amazing, folks. You know, I've mentioned Africom many times and how the US is really in there too. So they're going to plunder all of Africa. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the Matrix. You know, this article too is quite good. It's, it's to do with uh, something that's awfully popular, of course, and it's the, the game called Call of Duty. And I mentioned before, all these games that are put out there are really to, to entice youngsters into the fantasy of warfare. So a generation grows up and joins up, especially when there's a little work out there. And uh, and they think they're going to get little tin stars and be heroes and all the rest of it, just like the, the fantasies in the movies that they watch, the stacks of movies that are paid for by the Pentagon. And these games, remember, were all started up. All these, these games to do with warfare were started up. Uh, by the military themselves and created for them, in fact, to train their own troops to be desensitized to killing people. And so you've had a whole generation growing up on this because they, they needed it for what they knew was going to happen around 2001. And uh, and sure enough, they, they've got what they want, lots of bodies to fill the uniforms, uh, whether they're standing up or coming back home, lying down, doesn't matter. And that's the real truth too. Massive marketing goes into recruitments. Uh, and they need the bodies that uh, will fill uh, the uniforms and carry the weapons and, and go off and kill folk, just like a video game. Anyway, it says here that in a recent column for the Atlantic, former U.S. Army Special Operations Paratrooper in Afghanistan veteran D.B. Grady called the ad tasteless for, for this new this game, the, the recent one, and added that it trivializes combat and sanitizes war. It says the Modern Warfare 3 ad is so base and strident that it's hard to believe that it's not deliberately offensive, he argues. He goes on to suggest that the game itself isn't the issue. The simultaneous glorified and simplified depiction of war and advertising is a real issue. He says if it was September 2010-2001, maybe it wouldn't be quite so bad. Those who are too young to remember Vietnam might indulge in combat fantasies. And that's what you get from all this stuff, combat fantasies, of resting heart rates while rocket-propelled grenades whiz by, and of flinty glares while emptying a magazine into the enemy. But after ten years of constant war, of thousands of amputees and flag-draped coffins coming back home, of hundreds of grief-stricken communities, did nobody involved in this commercial raise a hand and say, you know, this is probably a little crass. Maybe we could just slow, uh, show footage from the, the game instead. And while Grady acknowledges that the game's record-breaking sales include more than a few military personnel and veterans, and the fact that the, the marketing is clearly working, he questions whether now is the time to, to, to make a war zone uh, seem like a gritty Disneyland. It's, it's, a, it's a sad thing, but folk live in fantasy, folks, not just the children or the youngsters. And uh, and they get all they're, they're catered to massively by by forces they don't even know exist to get them to go along with these fantasies because the, the governments want to use you, obviously. Also, too, talking about this kind of the science, of course, neuroscience, psychology, behaviorism, it all works with marketing. Uh, an article by Cass Sunstein, the guy that that sees himself as a sort of minor form of a Bernays. But he's an article up here. It says, how do people form political beliefs? He says, when will they change their minds? They're always doing studies on and polls on the general population. He says, when will actual facts matter? 
A recent study conducted by political scientist Brendan Nyan of uh, Dartmouth College and two co-authors offer some clues. It says, one group of participants was provided with a 2009 news article in which Sarah Palin claimed that the Obama administration's Affordable Care Act created a death, death panels. And these panels included bureaucrats authorized to decide whether seniors were worthy of health care. Well, actually, see, she was mentioning that because, you see, that is the way it has been done in Britain now and other countries in Europe. What, what are you worth to, to society? What's your status in society? And then you put on a little, they take you off so many little ticks. And then you just get, well, don't resuscitate this person, just kill them off. This is a, a separate group was given the same news story, but with an ap- appended correction saying that non-partisan healthcare experts have concluded that Palin is wrong. Same story, with, but that added to it. See the little tests are doing the general public, they don't even know what's happening to them. The study's big question, it says, would the correlation have any effect, or the correction have any effect? Would people who saw the correction be less likely to believe that the Affordable Care Act calls for death panels? Not surprisingly, the correction was more likely to convince people who viewed Palin unfavorably than those who had a high opinion of her. Notably, the correction also tended to sway the participants who liked Palin, but who didn't have a lot of political knowledge, as measured by their, their answers to general questions, such as how many terms a, a president may serve. You understand, my, these are, they really go do minute surveys on public that are completely unaware they're being tested. It goes for all the main articles in media too, because most articles in media are handed out by governments. Right, to, and it's printed right in there. It says here's the most interesting finding in the study. Those who viewed Palin uh, favorably and who also had a lot of political knowledge were not persuaded by the correction. On the contrary, it made them more likely to believe Palin was right. This finding uh, presents an intriguing puzzle with a correction intended to convince Palin supporters who lacked political knowledge that she was wrong about death panels. It generally failed to persuade Palin supporters who had such knowledge. For those supporters, the correction actually backfired. And excuse how come it works this way? They're always testing to see how your mind ticks so they can con you and con you and con you. And he goes on to different explanations that they're working out right now on this kind of thing. Because they use this, te- this technique on so many different stories they put out there on the public. And then they do immediate polls afterwards and so on. So I'll put this one up tonight too, that care to know how their minds are always tinkered with daily, by the way, by the big boys, the marketers, uh, that also work with governments and test you. Also, CISPA passes in the House again, but faces uh, resistance in Senate and White House again, because that's what happened the last time, right? The controversial Cyber Intelligence Sharing Protection Act passed in the House of Representatives Thursday, despite growing opposition to the bill, a measure designed to allow data about digital threats to be shared between the government and the private sector for which opponents say could circumvent protections against users' private data being siphoned from the companies to the Department of Homeland Security or intelligence agencies. The bill now faces an uphill battle in the Senate and a possible veto from the White House. And if all this sounds familiar, it should. The entire sagas played out before just a year ago when CISPA was introduced and passed in the House before dying in a Senate filibuster. I'll put that up again tonight as well. Also, this article 2, it says, CISPA permits police to do warrantless database searches. It gives them carte blanche to do what they want, and this is why there's opposition to it. So the controversial data uh, sharing bill before uh, in the House today of represents authorizes federal agencies to conduct warrantless searches of information obtained from email and Internet providers. Well, they do that anyway, as far as I'm concerned. 
I'll put up a PDF too uh, on this very article here. It goes through the bill itself, and uh, I'll give you an idea of what's all contained in it. And again, it's all double speaking, so on. It'll take you days to read the one bill, and even the guys who discuss it don't even take that long to read it. They don't read it at all, most of them. Most bills now are put through omnibus bills, and they, they don't read anything. They've no time to read it all. I mean, I mean, government's a joke today, folks. It's completely a joke. It really is. And it's been that way for quite some time. Also, it says, could 89% of landmark cancer research be untruthful? Not a bad article, actually. And it goes on about tainted studies as a column, where, in other words, they, in order to market certain drugs and all the rest of it, they, they actually put the positive studies out. They actually have professionals who write positive studies. CBC did a documentary on big pharma and positive studies quite a few years back. It was quite, quite well done. And they talked to different people who their faces blacked out, who were employed full-time to put in fake, fake answers and, and really put the drugs up as wonder drugs and so on. These were all professional people. Nothing's new. We live in complete corruption and deceit. That's the system we live in. Also, mentioning again, the, 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 the European Union has got its Trans-Pacific Partnership on the go. So we'll all be getting fleeced again to throw money out to third world countries and so on. Or up-and-coming countries or emerging nations, as they prefer to call them. And it goes to their own uh, branches of international corporations, which is set up in those countries. So that's really what happens with it. But also, too, the, the EU Trade Council for Europe meeting in Dublin to discuss U.S. partnership with them as well. So we can help bail out all their banks, you see. And it says here that... Um, an informal meeting of the EU's trade council is taking place in Dublin Castle today and tomorrow, focusing on international trade matters, including an EU-US transatlantic trade and investment partnership. But this is these private uh, public partnership deals. Chaired by the Minister for Jobs, Enterprise and Innovation, Richard Bruton, TD. Uh, the meeting will also be attended by Mike Froman, U.S. Deputy National Security Advisor for International Economic Affairs and member of the U.S. National Security Council and National Economic Council, who is key figure in, in the Obama administration on international trade issues. The trade ministers from all EU member states will be attending, as will the EU's Commissioner for Trade, Carol de Gucht, I guess her name is. This is the first time a representative from the U.S. administration will join with ministers of the EU's member states on the EU's Trade Council for discussions about the broad-based opportunities that the TTIP can bring to strengthen EU-U.S. trade relations. And it all sounds wonderful that we haven't traded with Europe before or something, but of course it's completely different than what you think. It's free trade. So once again, it means that there'll be less import duties on the U.S. side from stuff coming from Europe. But all that money was going to be lost to government and taxes will have to be made up by the general population as your taxes go up to make, to pay for all the ones, all the stuff coming in with, without taxation and import duties. That's what free trade is all about, folks. And that's article two. Again, it's a PR marketing uh, spiel. Because marketers know, again, how to dress something up. Just like joining any deal like the European Union, they say, oh, everybody's going to have a great life in the future. Everybody, everybody in Europe is going to have a great life. And prosperity is just going to be booming. And, and if you don't vote for it, you'll be left behind. I bet they wish we were all left behind now. You know, left behind with they're involved in all this massive debt they all have now and they all share. So here's the same thing again for the, the US-EU uh, trade partnership. 
and it says uh, the proposed EU-US transatlantic trade and investment partnership free trade agreement could boost the economy by 800 million euros per annum and increased GDP and help create 4,000 jobs. Same rubbish as usual. That's all I'll say about it. But I'll put this link up tonight too, if I can get any a connection at all to the satellite. And again, I mentioned that uh, that one about uh, how the, they were trying to say that white racists and supremacists were had killed uh, the, 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 the prosecutor down in the States. Texas ex-justice of peace on triple murder charge, it says. So they weren't the white racists at all. The former Texas justice of the peace has been charged with murdering two prosecutors and a spouse, the officials have announced. The reason apparently being that the prosecutors had got uh, this guy off the bench. And this was like, like he's this guy wanted revenge, basically. So it was an in-house thing. I'll put that up tonight, too, for those who care about it. But it won't matter, though, because the hullabaloo is made about white racists or sticking folks' minds and white supremacists. That's all that was sticking their heads. Also, too, the FBI busted a Russian gambling ring. I'll tell you before that people have no idea, because they really have gone to a lot of trouble in certain areas of society to, to clamp down on the media uh, or, or outlets on Russia and the massive mobsters. They're multi-billionaires. You wouldn't believe the mobsters there. they got the same guys that ran Russia uh, through the Soviet Union. Many of them came out from outside, by the way. A lot of them came from New York, were sent over by Rockefellers to start the Bolshevik Revolution. Their families still run Russia today. But even when the walls came down, these guys already had billions uh, in cash. And they fled to the States and, and uh, quite a few places in the States. Again, New York, L.A. and San Francisco primarily. And they also came to Canada. And had some different scuffles in the news. Again, they quietened it all down about the Russian mobsters. A lot of them, too, have three passports, Russian, American, and Israeli, by the way. And it says, um, so the FBI busted the Russian gambling ring and it connected to Wall Street and Hollywood. It says, Havana Room, it says, um, more than 30 people were charged by federal authorities in a massive legal gambling and money laundering and extortion scheme tied to Russian organized crime, according to an indictment in the U.S. District Court the Southern District of New York. The operation allegedly involved two criminal organizations, the Nomad Trincher, which is based in Los Angeles in New York City, which, created, uh, which catered to millionaires, billionaires, and poker pros, and Taiwanchik uh, Trincher, based in Kiev, New York City, and Moscow, which serviced oligarchs from Russia and the former Soviet Union. According to the indictment, these groups had operations spanning across continents with defendants located in Los Angeles, Russia, New York, and former Soviet Union, bank accounts in Switzerland, holding companies in Cyprus. By the way, I remember I told you that the mobsters had drawn all their money out. Cyprus had billions in there, and that's what also helped the, the, the crash come down. It says, and the United States, and a gambling website in Taiwan. It says, the characters in the drama include the son of a billionaire art dealer, a Bronx plumber, a J.P. Morgan branch manager, the real estate firm in New York, a car repair shop, which has funneled billions for a car repair in Brooklyn, and a Russian man charged with allegedly bid rigging the Salt Lake City 2002 Olympic Games, etc. It says it goes very deep. It says the Taiwanchik Trincher Organization, which the indictment identifies as International Organized Crime Group with leadership based in New York City, Kiev, Moscow, was allegedly led by Alimzan Toktaihunov, it says, a.k.a. Alec and Vadim Trincher, a.k.a. Dima, and Anatoly Golubchik, a.k.a. Tony, the indictment said. They're all named as defendants. You might recognize the name uh, Tokat Hunov. He was a guy charged with allegedly bribing officials at the 2002 Winter Olympic Games in Salt Lake City. 
and based in Russia, Tokarhunov was allegedly referred to as Vor, which is defined as Russian term meaning thief-in-law. It's basically like a version of the Godfather. Actually, this is way bigger than the Godfather. And it's a moniker bestowed on the highest level criminal figures from the former Soviet Union. Current indictment, uh, Vor gets tribute from other criminals, offers protection, and uses their authority to resolve disputes amongst criminals. By the way, these guys launder money across the whole world. Massive arms trading and high-tech weaponry and all the rest of it. And lots of drugs, too. And it says Tucker Honov's group allegedly ran a legal gambling uh, business, money laundering, extortion, other criminal operations. The trucks that are business have with a series of high-stakes poker games and gambling activities frequented by oligarchs. And they go through uh, Trinshire, based in Los Angeles and New York City, was structured much the same way, but catered to Wall Streeters, pro-athletes and Hollywood stars, the New York Times reported. Uh, and no famous figures were named specifically in the indictment. No, they'd get their names out of it. Names are not, we're talking big money, like $50 million running through Cypriot and American shell companies, or uh, half a million dollars sent to a bank account in Taiwan owned by an illegal gambling website operating in the U.S., or 850000 moving from a Swiss bank account to a U.S. bank account under the control of NOAA, the Oracle Siegel. And by the way, this is a continuation of Bug Siegel and all the rest of these guys. They never went away. Uh, and when Russia uh, moved out, the guys in Russia, it's, it's really much, much bigger than it ever was before. Since so to hide all these transactions, his complaint that Trincher groups relied on sophisticated money laundering operation, not only did they run money through a Brooklyn car garage, real estate companies, and an online used car dealership, but they also used J.P. Morgan branch manager in New York City named Ronald Yu. That's U-Y. You, whose name is defendant, likely assisted in instructing several transactions of the bank designed in part to avoid generating currency transaction reports. In other words, obscuring the fact it was getting order to the banks. And uh, just amazing, these guys were, were betting millions, millions, sometimes a night. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're cutting through the matrix. This article too ties in, this next article ties right in with um, the fact that this big uh, meetings happening in Ireland right now with the IMF and World Bank and all the rest of the big boys at the same time that the US-European trade deal is getting made as well. And Ireland, of course, Ireland's one of many countries that have been sunk into the hole, the, the, the big black, black hole of insolvency through this wonderful thing called the European Union. And that's the whole function of it, of course, too, is to get countries under complete control by massive debt forever and ever. Amen. And so the U.S. should be wary of any trade deals. Again, it's all above your heads. You've got nothing to do with it. You're not asked what you think of it or given any vote on it. And the big boys that run your governments are all getting cuts out of things from lobbyists to join it all. That's how the real world works, of course. This is Ireland overhauls insolvency rules. Yeah, they're going to get, oh, they're going to live in luxury in the future if they join the, the European Union and all the rest of it, because they've been, they've been really brought to a massive crash many times over with the fake uh, system that, that runs it all, uh, creating massive debts and all the rest of it. So it says new plans to deal with personal debt being announced by the Irish government could see state-appointed officials taking over the finances of those struggling with mortgages. Under the old system, bankruptcy lasted at least 12 years, after which unpaid debts would still not be written off. Since the new system would discharge debtors from insolvency after three years, 
but it also allows for micromanaging of debtors' finances by personal insolvency practitioners, agencies that work public-private for the government. Isn't that wonderful? Your whole life's going to get managed by government. Same government that, that makes you join the EU, even if you don't want it, and then gets you all massive debts. And now they can deal with your personal uh, finances and your debt. Isn't that wonderful, folks? Big brother, big time. But that's what the whole New World Order globalism is all about. It says these officials are to be appointed by new state agencies being set up as part of the plan. It says failure to comply with serious restrictions on personal spending could mean debtors losing their homes. <laughs> as I said before, I can remember all the propaganda that Britain got as well at the same time. that oh, If you don't join it, you'll be left behind. And as I say, I bet they all wish to God that they had never joined it and got left behind with hardly any debt at all. Look at them now. So anyway, it says, leaked media reports of the draft guidelines have suggested that people in mortgages or personal debt unable to reach agreement with their banks and who entered the insolvent regime could be forced to live on as little as five euros a day for food be banned from owning cable television or going on foreign holidays, and may be forced to give up cars where public transport is an alternative. So again, Agenda 21 ties in with the two. Suggestions that some parents with high uh, childcare costs and debts might be forced to give up work to mind their children instead prompted the country's leader, uh, who is Edna Kenny, to, to deny such plan, plans after a furious public reaction. So at least in Ireland, they still react to things. They aren't quite... I mean, they're falling like everybody else with the massive indoctrination and getting and injections and the rotten food uh, and the terrible television they watch, but they still react. There's still some reaction from them. So it says Ireland um, faces a, a massive debt crisis, a mounting mortgage debt crisis after the collapse of the country's economy in 2008. A property uh, crash following years of boom has left many with high mortgages and negative equity, with house and apartment values falling by more than 50% nationally since 2007. There's a real world, eh? And the last one as the music's coming in is that New York psychiatrists are served with subpoenas for patient records in the New York gun confiscation scheme that they've got going on there. So even your, your, your records aren't safe. They're grabbing them all. So much for patient confidence, eh? From Hamish Mustard from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. May your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>